this is a conversation about the church, about the local church in particular. Um, And man, we launched this series with a really bold statement. And I'm going to reiterate this statement without disclaimer and without apology. And I realize it's a heavy statement to make, especially coming out of the gates. But here it is. What we've said throughout this series, whatever else you do in this crazy season, that's the fall. Because again, we know we're coming out of the summer and some of the relaxed rhythms of the summer, the vacations, maybe work is a little slower. Oh, that's gone. Now we've turned the corner and we are into the fall where it is crazy and you are now an Uber driver parent and homework has started and you are back in class. Work has amped up quite a little bit. And we just want to say whatever else you do, In this season, make sure you make priority room to love and serve the local church. That's been what this conversation has been about. I know in a church setting, that's not the conversation that's going to make friends immediately. But we make that declaration without any disclaimer or apology. Whatever else you do, make sure you make priority room to love and serve the local church. And we gave a number of reasons for that. The first and the most important one is simply this. It's what Jesus does. Jesus makes priority space in his affections and his agenda to love and serve the church to the point of death because after all, she is his Bride, And we want to be a movement of people who are passionate about the things Jesus is passionate about. We don't want to be a movement of people who say, no, we are into Jesus, but his bride who he loves and laid down his life for, we're not so into her. No, we want to mimic his passions and be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. It's what he does. We cannot be casual about what Jesus is crazy about. Another reason we gave is because the church is the body of Christ. Jesus' primary activity in this world is carried out in and through the church. What Jesus, his greatest work in the world is a work he is doing in and through the church because the church is his body. This is the way he shows up in the world. And if we want to be a part of his global revolution, then we want to be a part of what it means to love and serve his body. And another reason we gave is we are the church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't just attend church. You don't just give to the church. You are a part of the church. When you got saved, you became fused to the church. We're going to see that again in the passage. We'll look at this morning. You are a part of the church, which means the success of the church is your success. Matter of fact, it's your greatest success in this world. It's not going to be what you accomplish as a major. It's not going to be your grades or your stats. It's going to be the success you had as a part of this global movement of Jesus that he's carrying out in and through the church of which you are an intrinsic part. Ah, we are going to continue that conversation. In fact, we're going to wrap it up at least 
uh, for now. And uh, we're going to do that by revisiting a, a portion of the conversation we had a few weeks ago about gifts in the church. Uh, we want to start to answer the question, well, how do I make priority space to love and serve the church? And one of the ways that happens is through your gifts. We want to talk about gifts. I'm going to pick up where Pastor Jeff left off last week in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. If you have a copy of the Bible, if you're joining us online, uh, you're going to see the verses appear on the screen. In the room, the verses will appear um, on the screen in front of you as well. But if you have a physical copy of the Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start reading at verse 7. By the way, if you don't own a physical copy of the Bible, I'm committing us as a church. We would love to give you a physical copy. In fact, after the service, if you head to the connection um, kiosk that we call the connection corner right outside those back doors, just let somebody know, I would like a physical copy. This is the word of God. It will mess your life up in the best way imaginable. Get you some. So if you need one, please see us. It would be an absolute honor to give you a copy of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4 verse um, 7, and we're going to get right to work. Paul who wrote the book of Ephesians, is often a complex thinker, and his thoughts can be really difficult to grab a hold of. But when he speaks about gifts, it is really simple. And because that is the case, we are going to be really simple this morning. If you came for a really sophisticated, complicated theological conversation, this is the wrong week. This is just a very simple conversation about gifts in the context of the church. We're going to get right to work. Verse 7, here's what Paul says, but... To each one of us, grace has been given, he says, as Christ apportioned it. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Um, We've been um, talking about this concept throughout the series, but in case this concept is new to you, or in case the crazy chaos of the fall has caused you to forget, let me echo this incredible reminder from Paul, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted Jesus for the forgiveness from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin, if you've trusted Jesus as your savior, Jesus has given you a gift. Um, The word grace here in verse 7 can be translated a grace gift. A grace gift. If you are a Christian, You have been given a unique ability to help the church soar. Um, This is mind-boggling. And I pray by the Spirit's grace, minds would be boggled or reboggled over this concept. That Jesus, the creator who designed you, also designed a gift, a unique ability. And deposited that ability in you so that you could be part of his destiny in 
history. This is absolutely incredible. Now, it may not be the gift that you would have chosen for yourself if you were picking from the buffet of gifts, but the one who created you and knows you perfectly picked the perfect gift for you, and he makes no mistakes. Um, If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus has given you a gift. That's how you woke up this morning, just gifted by Jesus. Now, no one may ever have said that about you. Um, Especially coming off the Olympics, I was thinking about this. We are now in this space where when we think about gifted people, we are thinking about the most elite of athletes who can do physical things with their bodies and balance on cell phone sized beams and just flip and do crazy stuff or run faster than me. But whatever. <laughs> we, we tend to think about the highest level athletes or we think about, man, that exclusive echelon of the most elitely talented in this. So when we think gifts, we think about that group of people. And Paul says, no, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are gifted. People may not say that about you in the athletic sense or in the academic sense. So uh, people may not say that about you in, in the musical sense. Um, and because of that, you may have actually lived a while not knowing or believing this truth about you. And Paul wants you to know, oh, uh, you are so gifted. Um, I'm not saying it's Instagrammably gifted. Uh, I'm not saying you're gifted in the ways that are most hip or most trending right now in our cultural era. Because if I'm not even Instagrammably gifted, am I gifted? Yeah, you are in the way that matters most in the cosmic scheme of things. You are so gifted. Look at you. And your gifted self. That's what Paul is announcing to every follower of Jesus Christ. You are so, in fact, I dare you to look somebody deep in the eye and tell them, I am so gifted. I knew no one would participate in that exercise. Like, okay, maybe two people. Um, oh, man. That's not going to happen. But it's not going to stop me from making it awkward by saying it. Look someone deep in the eye next to you, people. Mm-mm, not looking at COVID. Um, I'm just telling you what's true about you. You are so gifted. And uh, I love that Paul calls it a grace gift. That's so good for some of us to hear that not only are you so gifted, but it's, it's a grace gift. Not only do you have a gift, it's a, it's a grace gift. Man, some of us need to know that. Um, some of us who are maybe a little bit more on the compliment proof side of things need to know this. Uh, Some of us who are a little bit more comfortable um, with a self-deprecating narrative about ourselves, or maybe they're gifted, but not me. I'm nothing. 
Some of you who would not have been caught dead looking into somebody else's eyes, let alone declaring, I'm so gifted. This is good for us to hear so that this truth starts to maybe settle into our spirits and into our souls with a weight of confidence. This is good to hear. It's a grace gift for some of us who prefer to focus on how bad we are at everything. Maybe average at best every other year or so. Some of us who are maybe convinced, man, we've just been too bad in our life to be included in this gifted and talented community called the church. Paul says, but to each one of us, a grace gift has been given as Christ Apportioned it. I love that. I'm sorry. Each one means you. Suck it up, buttercup. It's the way it is. You you got a gift, and the gift was given to you by grace. I love that. This verse is not consulting whether or not you want a gift, whether or not you know you think you have a gift, how you feel about a gift, what it's just making a declaration over your life. You are so gifted by Jesus. You have a grace gift. I love that because here's what it means. Grace gift means you did not do anything good enough to deserve to get this gift, but you got it anyway. Grace gift means you did not do anything so bad that you've been excluded from being gifted by Jesus. So you got a gift anyway. It is a grace gift by Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you have done. You are so gifted. Look at you. Because Jesus decided he was going to gift. He knows when you've been good or bad. But he gifted for gifting sake or whatever. I don't know. There's a Christmas song. It has nothing to do with your race, nothing to do with your IQ, nothing to do with how pretty and perfect your family is on the outside because no family really is. It has nothing to do with your crazy track record of messed up relationships. Nothing to do with any of that. Nothing to do with how handy you are with pliers. Praise the good Lord. Uh, I would just say nothing to do with your major, nothing to do with how much you attend church. This is a grace gift. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are so gifted. I just came to announce in case you forgot or in case you've never heard. He gifted you anyway. And by the way, a grace gift also means some of y'all need to chill. And stop acting like, um, well, of course I'm gifted. Why wouldn't he gift me? No, why would he? Why on earth? I mean, think, why on earth would he include you in his cosmic agenda by depositing in you a gift that he took the time to design? Who are you? So you need to chill. It's a grace gift. Don't walk around acting like, you know, Jesus and the church are privileged. That No, it's a grace gift. Maybe thank him for it. But then Paul takes it a step further. Because I was like, I can't believe he's gifted me. I'm one of those people who can be prone to self-deprecation. You know, excluding myself, exempting myself. No, not me. I mean, other people, yeah, but not me. 
Um, especially when I think about the choices I've made in some of my past, like this, there's no way. I love that he says it's grace. Jesus made the call above your pay grade and he included you because he wanted to and he paid the price to ensure that you got gifted. But he takes it even a step further. Not only is your gift a grace gift, it's like a super gift. You have an extraordinary grace gift. The gift inside of you is literally a superpower. I'm just going to start referring to it that way from now on. It's, it's, a, it's a superpower that Jesus has deposited in your life. The church, I don't know if you heard, is a community of superheroes. Now, I'm not going to lie. Most of the time we act like Clark Kent, um, which is fine, but does not change the fact. I'm trying to tell you your gift is a bigger deal than you will ever fully realize. Don't ever undermine what Jesus has placed in you, no matter what the gift happens to be. It has the power to heal and transform the world around you. It's a super power. And I know it's going to take a while for us to maybe embrace, for some of us, the fact that he's given me a gift at all. Let alone a grace gift, let alone an extraordinary superpower gift. And yet I'm just telling you what Paul says. And one of the ways I know that is because of what he says next. Verse 8, this is crazy. Paul says, this is why it says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high and went to take his place at the right hand of God where he belongs. He, Jesus, took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now Paul is just preaching the gospel. Verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he, Jesus, also descended to the lower earthly regions, which I think just means to our world. He who descended to our world is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Woo! I preach, Paul. That's good. And I'm just telling you, you can never undermine your gift ever again after that. Woo! Paul's just preaching the gospel. He's talking about Jesus, you know, the, 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 the Savior, the glorious Jesus who uh, laid aside his majesty. And uh, Jesus Christ who left the eternal paradise called heaven and clothed himself in human flesh and took a trip to this broken, messed up earthly region called our world. And when he got here, boy, he faced and he fought and I'll have you know he defeated Sin, and he defeated Satan, and he defeated death. And on the third day, you might have heard he got on up. Now, when he got up, we may not have been able to see this with our physical eyes, which is why Paul pulls back the veil and tells us something of what was happening in the spiritual realm. He says, do you know that when Jesus got up from the dead, after he had beaten up sin, And beaten up Satan and beaten up death. (laughs) Jesus went 
And he just Shawshanked a host of souls that have been held captive under the clutches of sin and Satan. And he just unshackled them, set them free and led a movement of previously captive prisoners in his train. Because that's how Jesus rolls. And when he was done, he went back to heaven and he took a seat. And the entire church is like, go Jesus, go Jesus. And I'm like, wait a minute, hang on a quick second. Because I'm just saying, did anyone else, did anyone else notice that Paul put Jesus defeating sin and defeating death And defeating Satan and setting some captives free in the same breath as you getting your gift. You can never undermine your gift ever again after that. I read that again. I'm like, there is no way. There has to be like at least five periods and 17 exclamation. No, same breath. That is crazy to me. Jesus beats up sin and death and then busts some souls out of slavery and he gave gifts to his church. (laughs) Those things were on the same to-do list for Jesus. Demolish sin and death, check. Deposit the gifts you designed into your people. Check. And it should be no surprise, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says this. I don't know your thoughts about the church, but man, the church is epic in the mind of God. Verse 22, Ephesians 1, and God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Whatever you happen to do this season, make sure you make priority. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Verse 23, which is the body, his body. And which is, this is the church, is the fullness of him who fills the universe. Fills everything in every way. I don't know if you knew that the gift he deposited in you is part of the way he intends to fill, to canvas the universe with his glory. Because as it turns out, he defeated sin, defeated death. Took his place at the right hand of God so that he could fill the whole universe with the glory of his gospel. Through a community of supernaturally gifted people called the church. Your gift is one of the ways he intends to accomplish his cosmic agenda. And I'm just telling you, if your gift, whatever it is, has a part in that, you can never look down on it again. It is a superpower. And it is designed to play a part in unraveling this world with hope and healing for the sake of the glory of Jesus who's seated on the throne. May his name be forever praised. You can't look down on your gift again. I'm just saying, if the gift inside you is part of his plan 
for his glory. I dare you to call it ordinary. He didn't just gift his church because it's nice. Sometimes I've thought about gifts like, oh, it's nice. Jesus gave gifts to his church. Like it's this cute thing. And we all, oh no, this is part of a cosmic scheme for the glory of his great name. He gifted his church to carry on the sin defeating, the devil butt whooping. The hope sharing scheme that he launched when he came to earth. And he went back and he sat down and said, now watch it carry on. How? I raised up an army of superheroes and I've given them superpowers. Watch them work. I don't know what your gift is, but look at you. You're so gifted. And I'm just telling you, if you believed that, just say If I said each of you is a million dollars under your seat, wave that envelope, look at the person next to you and tell them, I have a million dollars. You do it. You have a superpower designed by Jesus on the inside of you. Tell somebody about it. Do I know them though? Huh? I get it. It's awkward. Although for some of you, you might thank me later. And kids, that's how I met your mother. (laughs) Anyway, um, let's keep going. That's not what this series is about. Okay, but but what happens with all this superpower stuff? He, He carries on. I love Ephesians chapter 4. I don't know if you knew Ephesians is my favorite book in the Bible. He says in verse 11, so Christ himself, because he was in a generous mood, always is. He gave the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. He's talking about church leaders to equip his people for works of service. Here we go. So that the body of Christ, that's the church, may be built up until we all reach unity. In the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, become whole, become complete. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Woo! And by the way, you read the language in Ephesians, it's not talking about you. You read the language in this section of Scripture, it's not talking about you, it's talking about us. For some of these, like, man, I'm not into the church, but I'm going to reach the fullness of the whole. No, you're not. Now, this is what the church does. Built up. Unity in the faith. Knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then we'll be strong, y'all. No longer infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming and by posts on social media and by political partisanship and and, and by headlines in the news. We won't be tossed back and forth by all of the stuff that's being said and spewed in our world. I'm just asking you, by the way, is that where the church is right now? Paul's describing a church that's grown up, is strong, 
verse 15. He says, no, instead, standing on and speaking the truth in love, we will together grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, Jesus, who is the head. That is Christ. This is a powerful section of scripture that I wish we could just unravel for days and days and days. And if you've been here long enough, you know, like that's not actually too far from possibility, but we're not going to do that. This is incredible picture of what he's designed and desires his church to be the body fully mature, looking like Jesus, stepping into the world like Jesus, showing up like Jesus, wherever we show up, it's like Jesus showed up. This is such a powerful Powerful picture, but I got to pause and and just make an observation about the significance of church leadership. Um, When Jesus created the church, according to Paul, um, he made sure to place people in positions of leadership over the church. Leadership in the church is incredibly significant. Said a leader in the church. Um, In fact, I'll go further and say, it is not a church, it is not a local church until it has leadership established in their appropriate offices. It's one of the reasons why Paul said to Titus, stay there until you've raised up and established leaders and then it will be officially inaugurated as a church. Apart from that, it's a group of Christians hanging out, which is great. It's a small group, which is great, but it is not a church. What's spoken about the church, what's called out in the church only applies when you've put leaders in their appropriate positions. Um, Believe it or not, that's not the point that I want to make in this particular passage. Did you notice Paul's summary job description for leaders in the church though? I love this. Leaders, it is your job to prepare God's people for works of service. It's powerful. In other words... Leaders, I'm going to give my church leaders and it's going to be their responsibility to uncover and unleash the superpower gifts that I poured into my church. That's your role. Leaders. Church leadership isn't about fancy titles or carrying more clout than the rest of the congregation. That's dumb. That is not what church leadership is about. It's not about standing on bigger stages under brighter lights. That is not what church leadership is about. No, it's about helping set people up to use their supernatural superpower gifts so that the church would grow up, become mature, and look like Jesus in our world and be part of his cosmic scheme to canvass the universe with his glory. All because we figured out a way to get people activated in their superpower areas of giftedness. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of 
Christ. As leaders in the church, we are doing our absolute best work when we're cultivating and calling out the gifts that God has placed in his people. That's why I am so excited to be talking about gifts. The thought that we could somehow play a part in calling out and cultivating what Jesus has uniquely designed and placed in each one of us is such a thrilling thought. Like, God, please help me to be able to play a small part in doing the job that you've given as a leader in the local church. To find ways and make excuses and give opportunities For the extraordinary community of the supernaturally gifted to use their extraordinary gifts to do supernatural things in our world. Because I'm telling you, when the church looks like Jesus and shows up like him, there is nothing natural about it. (laughs) This world cannot remain the same. Darkness cannot stay in its place. The villain in the spiritual realm of darkness cannot resist the movement of a growing and maturing church that looks like Jesus. The gates of hell cannot stand up again. It's a superhero movement. I'm telling y'all. And as leaders, we get to play a part in saying, you have a superpower and you have a superpower and you have a superpower and stop Clark Kenting it. You better jump in a phone booth and do something. And what a great joy to be able to do just that. I know it may be your first time here and I'm trying to pace myself and not come across like too aggressive. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. There's a posture. I need to learn it. Um, It's definitely not this one, you know, but um, I, I... Man, I've got to say, nonetheless, as a church, we would be crazy to encourage a culture or to let you come and just be a taker. What kind of nonsense would that be? Condo, that's too aggressive. Okay, that wouldn't be... The best use of our resources and time, shall I say. Um, Now, I get it. There are seasons. Somebody, you're newer to a church community. I'm like, oh gosh, take your time. Get to know us. Like, explore. Like, take stuff. Like, just enjoy being blessed and getting to know a community. There are seasons, by the way, when you are going through a difficult time. There are seasons when some of you have served a little too much and we need to be like, stop for a minute and take a Sabbath to just recoup. And there's some of you have maybe come from hard places and we pray that this will be a place of restoration and, and you know, a place of recouping and rest for sure. I'm not talking about seasons. I'm talking about patterns. I'm talking about us creating any kind of culture where it's just a pattern that you can come for as long as you want and just consume. No! That wouldn't make any sense. In fact, let me tell you something that we're going to see as we wrap this up. Um, If the church becomes a consuming church, 
it is no longer the church. Not the way Paul describes it. Um, and I'm just telling you, like, if you're like, I'm going to check out Mission Point, I'm looking for a place where I can just perpetually just take and not do anything. You're not going to like it here. Emily Hoover is going to stand up here like for 20 minutes and she's going to tell you every week there's this way to engage and you can serve in this way and you can connect this way and you can be a part this way and you can play a part this way and you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to come late. I don't want to hear any of that. And then we're going to put it at the end of the service and you're going to hear it again. And you're going to be like, oh gosh, I'm going to leave early. You know, um, it's just, it's tricky. It'll be very uncomfortable. Um, man, and if we as leaders, I'm telling you, get to a place where we enjoy standing on stages and having names and being put on pedestals and being called this title and that thing, all because it's like we are doing everything. And we create a culture where it's like, why don't you come to church and watch us? We'll do all of the stuff. Because we are the only ones who have superpowers. So we'll work and you observe us and then you rate us and you grade us. And if you like us, please come back and tell your friends. And if you don't, then skip, go to the next church and see if you like that leadership performance. And if you don't go, and if we as leaders play into that culture, we actually end up bottlenecking what Jesus Christ is longing to do in his church for the church to show up in the world looking like him. Which happens... When we figure out a way to say, you are so gifted, look at you. Tell your neighbor, you are supernaturally gifted. Now, what does it look like to start to activate and use those gifts? The only way we grow up into the church that looks like Jesus and fills the earth with his glory. And then Paul drives his point home. And this is what the thriving church looks like. Verse 16, from him... That's Jesus, who is the head of the church. He's the one who supplies the church with every single thing it needs to thrive. Which, by the way, means Mission Point Community Church has everything it needs to thrive and show up like Jesus in its world. If Jesus is our source, we are always going to be supplied. That will never be the problem. It says this, the, the church is talking about the church joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Um, such a powerful picture. Uh, if Jesus is the source, then um, we are like the, the organs, the means by which we get his supply to each other. I don't know if you knew this, but man, I need you. You need me. There are things I have that you need and there are things you have that I need. And we are so intrinsically connected that if you decide to treat the church like a Lego set and you just, you know, lock in on a Sunday, then you unplug and go do your own thing. I miss out on all of the things that Jesus has placed in you to deliver to the rest of us. And we don't get to be the fullest version of who we've been called to be because you're like, no, we are organically fused, ligaments joined and held together, he says. Which is why we encourage you, like, get connected intentionally, like in a small group, or, or go to an ice cream social this afternoon. Um, that's more than just tasty. It's significant to figure out ways to act like we are actually a part and we belong um, 
to each other. And he says it grows, the church grows and builds itself up in love. And here it is, as each part does its work. The only way we get to experience and express the fullest version of being the body of Christ in our world is when you start to do something with your superpower. When you start to work. It's the only way. When each person uses a gift to serve the church, the church grows and builds itself up in love as each person does his work. I love the way Paul bookends this section of scripture. Hey, just so you know, each of you has been given a gift. La, 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 la. And just so you know, the church grows as each of you uses that gift to serve the church. How it grows. Jesus is like, I've worked into you everything you need. Now work it out. And it's crazy because I know we all want to be part of a thriving church. We all want to be a part of a thriving church. And Paul's like, that's great. The question is, are you willing to work to see the church thrive? Because that's the only way a church thrives. I'm not talking about a church growing numerically. I'm talking about a church showing up in the world and transforming the place. That's not about numbers. The only way that happens is not because you skipped and went to a different church and figured out, do I like the way they do things here? I don't like it. I'm going to a different church. And you went somewhere else. Because the hope is you're going to find a thriving church. Let me tell you what. If you are a consumer and you go and find a thriving church, you're going to ruin it. Because the church thrives if each person is doing their work. And if you show up and you're not working... Something went wrong in the last three weeks with this church. No, you are are the way the church thrives. By doing your part, by activating your superpower, by doing something. Ah, Whatever you do this season, make priority room to love and serve the church. It's the only way the church grows up and shows up like Jesus in the world. And continues his legacy of just beating up the devil. And and yanking captives from the claws of sin. And canvassing the universe with his glory. Make a priority to love and serve the church. And you may say, well, I would, but I don't know my superpower. Ah, so interesting that you bring that up because I don't know if you knew. But in the month of September, every Tuesday in the month of September, we have a class led by Pastor Jeff called How to Discover My Spiritual Gift. Isn't that a coincidence, just the timing of that? And if you are just interested to explore and discover that, I'd encourage you, hey, sign up. Go to the connection kiosk, the connection um, area right outside those back doors and sign up. It's going to be at our Mission Point campus. It's a great way to start to discover your spiritual gift. Um, Another great way to discover your spiritual gift is to try something. To try something. It's interesting that Paul says what your gift was given to you for was for you to work. To serve. So the one thing you can't do is like, I'm going to try and discover it by sitting around and thinking, pontificating. No, you will discover it as you actually work. Try something. Matter of fact, this is like it's the weirdest coincidence. 
When you leave this building, this room, you will see tables lined up out there. You may have already seen them on your way, and there'll even be balloons just to ensure you don't miss them and say, oh, I forgot where they were. No, it'll be hard to miss. And on those tables, there'll be a plethora of opportunities, ways that you could engage, ways that you could potentially start to try doing things. Now, here's a list on the screen, like whether it's in the kids' wing. Last I spoke to Jen, our children's ministry director, she said, I need 30 people who are willing, hear this, to serve in one service twice a month from now till May. Um, Change the world. Because if you're anything like me, your story includes a Sunday school teacher who is a little weird and maybe didn't use deodorant, uh, in my case, not here, (laughs) who set me, amen, wow, there's a... (laughs) But who set me on a path towards meeting Jesus? It actually is going to be a revolutionary role uh, to, to play. And so I would say to you, like, sign up for that. You don't have to be able to teach. You can just sit and hang out with kids. Um, surely all of us, mm, most of us could do that. There's some of you who have no business in that, in that space. Um, or the care team. We say, man, I guess I'm willing to, to use my love for, you know, the culinary world to, to make or, or give meals to people when they're going through difficult seasons of time. You can sign up to be a person who we call on in seasons like that. Or you can say, I love to pray for people who are going through difficult times. I just, my heart breaks and I love to pray. That's a way that you can serve um, for sure. Uh, facilities, uh, boy, especially with our new facility space on campus, it's been beautiful to see so many of you come and, and paint and, and change light bulbs and, and pick up sticks. And it's a funky, funky thing how that simple thing can be a superpower because you end up creating a space where teens are connecting with other teens and are connecting with Jesus. Where people in our community who don't know Jesus are coming to our campus to use that space. Where women who are struggling coming out of sexually abusive situations can come and find a space because you used an aesthetic gift to help the place become a little more beautiful. It's a superpower. The only question is whether or not you are willing to, to use it. Or being a mission liaison, yeah, I'll write to missionaries and I'll connect with them and I'll update you all on how you can be praying for our mission partners. I'll be glad to play a role like that. Or I'll be a greeter. I'll smile and say hi to people and tell them, welcome, it's so good to see you because you'll be surprised how many people do not see a smile on someone else's face or hear a kind word. Throughout the course of the week until they set foot at a church service. And your ability to welcome people is a superpower. That sets them in a completely different direction. Or the tech people who make this place run. Um, if they turned off my microphone right now, well, you'd be grateful. But the point is you'd not be able to hear me um, very well. And uh, my favorite one is the other. That's my favorite. Uh, Because some of the most beautiful things that have happened at Mission Point started because some of you said, none of those things. But you know what's been stirring in my heart has been this thing. Can I please do this? And we as a church leadership say, how can we support you to ensure that you're thriving in your superpower and serving the church? And for some of you, that's where you're at. You have ideas. You have dreams. You have ways the church could be better. And instead of complaining about them on your way home, let us know so that we can help activate that gift and set you loose. Um, 
Man, I'm going to have the elders come up here in a moment. If you want somebody to pray with you for healing or restoration in a relational situation, or particularly if you have wounds from the church, would love to pray that the spirit would heal um, and meet you there. If you're like, I would love to know what my spiritual gift is. Can you guys pray for that? would love to pray for you. So elders are going to be up here. Um, in a moment, but we are dismissed after I pray. Do not forget to go by. If you're already serving, thank you so much for the many of you who serve here at Mission Point and help our church to be better. If you're not yet, regardless of your age, hey, check out the different opportunities or let us know different thoughts you might have. I'm done. Father, thank you so much for your gifts. Thank you so much for giving gifts to your church. Jesus, thank you so much for including us in your cosmic agenda of spreading your gospel glory and hope throughout the world. Help us to realize what you've placed in us and to do something with it for the sake of your great name. Amen. Amen.